Okay, for the first time ever, we're going to be doing our first Q&A session for Voice in the Distance Ministries. And I'm actually really excited about this. Uh, this is something I've been wanting to do for some time, and this is something that the Lord had really put on my heart to do. Um, I really have enjoyed, over a period of years, uh, listening to you know the churches I've uh, listened to over the years and ministries that I've heard. Uh, every so often would do a Q&A session in regards to something from uh, from the aspects of ministry or maybe something from a biblical standpoint. And I, w- I wanted to go ahead and diversify uh, what we were doing here. And so I, the Lord had put it on my heart to do so, just to kind of give people an idea of a little bit about uh, A Voice in the Distance and... Um, and maybe answer some questions that might be from a biblical standpoint that people have had. And so I'm really excited about doing this. As again, the Lord had put this on my heart. And so, um, again, uh, question number one that was given here was, uh, what was the birth and vision of a voice in the distance ministries? And so to answer that question, the, the concept was on my mind a few years back. Uh, to, to put together a a website that was a Bible teaching ministry, an audio Bible teaching ministry, with also a, a prayer ministry uh, added on to it. And, and it's interesting because this vision had been around in, in my mind and heart for at least a couple of years. And it came out of nowhere, which is, again, which is kind of the way the, the Lord works, which I knew it was His timing, I knew it was His vision, and so it really worked out really well. And um, what it was was is how it pretty much started was my dad is a chaplain at um, the Ontario Cha- uh, Ontario Transport for Christ uh, truck stop. And it's one of the largest and busiest truck stops in the country. And so I was on his website one day and I noticed that he had made some changes to it. And so I, I asked him, I, I said, wow, you made some changes to it. It looks pretty good. And and he said, yeah. He goes, I got hooked up with this guy who uh, pretty much uh, took care of it all for me. And I told my dad what I wanted to do. So he puts me in contact with him. And his name was Rick also. And as I had, um, as I had emailed Rick, he automatically emailed me back and said, oh, what can I do for you? How can I help you? So I, I gave him the, I gave him the ideas of what I was thinking, and then out of nowhere he starts sending me all this material. He, he already started putting the website together, and uh, I sent him the the pictures and the content and whatever have you. And so he pretty much was getting it all done right then and there. It was it was kind of shocking. So. This was right around the time of February of 2016. So this is about uh, a year now because we're in the middle of February of 2017. So this is about a year in the making now. And so it was pretty interesting uh, how that all worked out. Uh, He started doing it and and it it didn't take long at all. Uh, He did it for practically nothing. And so I sent him some... uh, some messages, older messages that I did over the years, and he put them on. He put them on the uh, media center for me. And as I as it sat there for a short amount of time, I wanted to see kind of what was going to be done with it. And so he sent me a link 
uh, for, for the website showing uh, how many visits have been had and also from what countries they've been uh, seen in. And so I, I was really surprised uh, to see how many uh, visits were had. I'd never advertised it. I never made it known. Uh, it was just sitting there without anybody really knowing about it. And it was very, it was very neat to see that people from not just all over the, the country, but from numerous countries as well, uh, Canada, different parts of Europe and Africa and um, South America have been very, uh, very active on uh, going on the website, how they stumbled across it or whatever the case may be. I, I never really knew. I just was able to see where people were visiting from and, and from how many. So I, I waited for the Lord to say, this is what I wanted for you, which is the only reason I do it. The only way I'm going to do anything is because he tells me to do it. Uh, I never want to do anything on my own, on my own will. I've done that in the past and it's, uh, it's not always worked out. So again, the, a voice in the distance, it was just again, it was all the Lord. Uh, it was his vision. You know, they, people say that, uh, not people, I, I apologize for that. The, the Bible says that if a man has no vision, the people will perish. And so I've always known that the vision must come from the Lord because when it's man's vision, the people have perished from time to time. The vision must be the Lord's vision given to that person. And so the, the, the concept was, again, to have a Bible teaching uh, ministry online because I've talked to people over a period of years that have said that, uh, you know, they enjoy the churches they go to. But they said that they've never, sometimes they don't really get taught the Bible which is kind of an irony if you're going into a church, but uh, they said that we really, we really don't get taught the Bible and, or we've never even read or seen certain books in the Bible. And so, which is why if you've ever gone on the, on the website at avoiceinthedistance.com, I made it known on the front page on what it was said by the Apostle Paul that I have not shunned to give you the full counsel of God. And that's exactly what I wanted to do was to make sure that the full counsel of God was given. Uh, to be able to teach the Bible from front to back. And, and so, uh, it also too, it was also a, a prayer ministry as well. I wanted to be able to offer prayer out there. It's been amazing uh, to see what the Lord's done over the year. And so we started, in, we're just starting in Genesis. I decided to go from uh, from the very beginning of it all and teach from Genesis with special messages uh, from time to time. Maybe something from a topical end uh, that might speak to somebody. Uh, I've also taken requests from people of, is there a particular message that you, you feel like you need to hear? So I like to open that door because it's about you. It's about everyone else out there. It's about the Lord first. and But it's also about us. And so... The, the whole concept, it was, it was interesting. It, it all just kind of came to play. I also had on there uh, the prayer request, which I named the prayer tower. And the reason why I called it that was because when I was a, when I was a child, uh, where I grew up in Almonte, California, I had a neighbor, uh, neighbor kid that I grew up with, same age. And his grandfather was a very godly man. And, and I never forgot it. But I remember he used to have a, in his patio, he had this built-in patio, and he had a desk with telephones and CB radios. And I remember watching him uh, praying for people on these CB radios and on these phones. And, and I always thought to myself that that was such a, such a neat thing to see. And of all things, uh, online there's a, there's a website called Google Earth. And I was showing somebody where I grew up. And 
hovering over the, on the satellite, there was this little emblem of a church uh, showing on the computer. So I clicked on it because it was right there, in, in right there, right next to where I lived. So I, out of curiosity, I clicked on it, and it, and a little thing came up, and it said the prayer tower, and it had a phone number on it. So I, I called the number, and it was basically a wrong number. Uh, for whatever reason, that number was still on there with the name Prayer Tower. And I was talking with my dad about it, and he said uh, we were talking about um, my neighbor, my neighbor's friend, and his grandfather. And my dad said, "Yeah, I remember that." Now you got to remember this. Uh, I remember now that, that this was when I was about nine years old when he passed away. And I'm in my early 40s right now. And so, this was when I was nine years old. My dad says, yeah, I, I clearly remember him. And I remember that ministry. I think he called it the prayer tower and I froze. Because I was just like, dad, that's still showing. Uh, that still shows on, on, for whatever reason, on Google Earth in my neighborhood. But he's been gone since, uh, for about 30 years. So that reminded me of that. I felt like I wanted to keep that alive because, again, the, the, the ministry of prayer is very important. And, and so a voice in the distance again came along and it was just a, it was, it was such a blessing. Uh, real quick, I'll tell you about my wife's experience with, um, uh, mentioning this to a driver who, uh, who picked her up. She was going out of town uh, with some other uh, friends of ours and so she had like a shuttle driver pick her up uh, to take her to the airport. And as I was saying goodbye to my family, I never got to talk to the gentleman, but uh, this gentleman came out to load the bags, and he just had this vibrant smile about him. And he, he just I could just see a light in him, but I never did get to talk with him. I said hello, that was about it. And so as my wife got in the van, she, uh, she said that there was uh, Christian music playing on the radio, and he says, oh, I'm sorry, let me turn that off. And she said, no, no, but I, please, I listen to the station, I'm also a believer. So they engaged in conversation, and so she told him that I was a pastor, and then she told, uh, she told him that I was starting this ministry, and she said he got teary-eyed, and he said, forgive me, I'm having a, I feel like I'm having a Holy Spirit moment, I feel like he's told me that, he, that the Lord is going to bless this ministry for your husband, and so when she told me that, I was really taken by it, uh, I was just kind of like in shock, but also I could just feel the warmth of the Spirit from it. And so I pray that it has been a blessing. I've been able to, it's been such a wonderful thing to be able to have uh, contact with complete strangers from, from around the country and from around the world on, on social media. It was such a blessing. I, I just, uh, I just love hearing from everyone. I want everyone to know that when I see uh, a like on the social media, I take the time to to look at every single person's page uh, because I want to be able to see who it is that that I'm connected to. I, I get a lot of likes from uh, from around South America. Uh, it's really been something to see that in Mexico as well. And I, I look at everyone's page, even if I can't <laughs> if I can't understand the language. They have a translation area on there, so I could I could read what's uh, what's said on there. But I, I do have a passion for every single person uh, that has a like. And so, and what was a real blessing as well was I had a, a lady from the Philippines 
who said uh, she she messaged me and she asked uh, she asked what my name was so they could lift me up in prayer over there in her church in the Philippines and I just wanted to make known that I'm doing the same thing for her because we serve a big God who sees and hears all things and and though we're we might be clear across the world we are connected to one another through Him and will be with with one another in eternity. But it's just such a blessing, an amazing blessing to see this. And so I wanted to just kind of give that, uh, as question number one, that uh, I wanted to give that to you um, as, as an understanding of what a voice in the distance is. Again, it was just a Bible teaching ministry, prayer, uh, prayer ministry, given by the Lord. And so uh, question number two says, with the amount of churches around nowadays, uh, has there been a drastic change from that of the church's foundation from the biblical aspects? Well, <clears throat> I'd have to say absolutely. Uh, we got to look at certain things of today. We have, over the years, we've had such modern technology and so on and so forth. Uh, things have changed. Things, uh, things have changed in many aspects uh, from the original foundation of the biblical aspects. And, and so... Thousands upon thousands of churches in the United States and around the world are, are very different from one another. Uh, I've been a, uh, been a Christian for 32 years. And so I, I have stepped foot in many churches over the years. And, and again, they, yes, they are all very different. Um, when you look at the book of Revelation, God spoke to seven churches in the book of Revelation. And out of those seven, only two of them stood out in, in ways that were uh, pleasing to the Lord. And, and those two churches were Smyrna, which was called the bitter church, because they were going through such persecution. And, and he told them that you guys are going to suffer persecution, and, you, and, and a lot of you are going to die, but do not, do not give up. And so sure enough, if you're familiar with, with church history... On the aspect, about five years after this was written to them, they were attacked and millions of them died in that region of Smyrna, which was called, uh, again, the bitter church. But the irony in all of that was is that out of all those seven churches, they were still the last ones around when it was all said and done. But second was uh, the one that was really favored out of the whole group as well. The, the, the one that really stood out was the Church of Philadelphia. And again, these were all located in Turkey, so uh, don't be mistaken with Philadelphia out here in Pennsylvania. <laughs> it was uh, located in Turkey. All these churches, not far from, not too far from one another. And Philadelphia really stood out. Philadelphia means again brotherly love. And so that's what this church represented. I have done a, a very extensive uh, study on these seven churches. I've actually taught about the seven churches on a couple of occasions. And, and the Church of Philadelphia was one of those churches that housed missionaries. They, they were always in the Word of God. They were always studying. They were always in prayer. They were such a close-knit uh, uh, church and city. Is what it was, was it was a, a city. But the, these churches were in homes and so on and so forth. But, but they were the ones that the Lord really had favor in. And so the other five churches really had uh, had their problems. Uh, the Church of Ephesus was losing its first love. Uh, the Church of um, Sardis was considered dead 
that only had a few people in it uh, that were that were in God's favor. He said, "Yeah, the, the Church of Thyatira, which was basically a, 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 kind of allowing a worship of of." false entities well they all were Pergamos is where uh, Satan's throne was set up is where it said because one of the most paganistic uh, regions in the world was right there and, and so you had and again you had Sardis which was kind of like the dead church as he said they, they were the church that tried to make themselves look alive he says you look alive but you're dead and what it was is uh, doing the background on them they, they had a lot of irons in the fire but nothing was coming out hot and that seems to be that seems to be very common. And then you had Laodicea, which was again a uh, they were called the lukewarm church. They were extremely wealthy. Uh, so because of their wealth in this region, they were able to um, not worry about finances. But because of that, they didn't really have that close of a relationship with God over there. They were more concerned with their luxuries. So we had that. They had that going on for them. So what I did was, when I taught this uh, to the group of people that I taught, we did an extensive background. And I said, I want you to do one thing. When you go home, I want you to write down basically everything that you did during the week. And I want you to observe what you did, how much time you prayed, or how often you prayed, how often you were in the Word, how often maybe you went to church or, or in Bible studies with fellowship. What did you do with the Lord? What did you do for Him? Gather all, that, gather all that up for the week and be completely honest with yourself and and observe these seven churches and see which one you belong in. And so it was, it was really something because again, these seven churches seem to be a very, a very good representation of what churches are around the world are, uh, in our modern day. And so, yes, there has been some uh, some major changes. I think if there's some uh, some changes that I could definitely say I've seen from the beginning of the church when it was formed in the book of Acts, that um, I'd have to say that the love between the people in the congregations is not what it was back then. Uh, I think nowadays it's more so, I think you're just surrounded by other clergy members. Where back then there was more, there was more of a family atmosphere. Everyone, everyone loved one another in truth. Everyone was breaking bread with one another and prayer with one another, seeking the Lord together. And, and so if there is an indictment to, uh, to say, that would definitely be one of them. And as I mentioned earlier too, I think that uh, the teachings and so on and so forth, as people have told me that they don't really get taught the Bible in their church, well that's exactly what the church is for. The church is set up to make God known. To, to, to equip the, send, the saints and to send people out uh, to preach the gospel. And, and if that's not being done, then I, I suppose the word church should probably re- be removed and uh, organization is probably more, is probably more of a, a better title. Okay, because the church was set up to be an organism. It's the body of Christ. Where the word of God is to be taught in its entirety in truth. Uh, where, where prayer is to be had. If prayer is, is, if prayer is not involved in church or in a church ministry, then it's being done in vain. 
And if there's something I've learned over the years, and again, when you have, a, if you have something called church, uh, church, or a ministry, or a chapel, or anything of that sort, that means that that human ownership is prohibited because it's divinely owned by God Himself. And so the the church is not. The church is not designed by architecture, by a building. The church is the people. Uh, and as a pastor, you know, I've, I've, I think that buildings and, and so on and so forth are, are a wonderful blessing. And a wonderful gift that God gives for us, to, for people to meet at. But for me, I, I'm, I'm not about the building. I, I'm more about every single, uh, every single soul that walks through the doors of that building. And so as a pastor, you're a shepherd. As an elder, you're a shepherd. You're to care for the people. And so I, I think that that's kind of gone astray over, over a period of years. It's become more organization ran. And, and we're nothing more than, it's become nothing more than program, uh, ridden, uh, ridden, uh, industries instead of ministries. And so we've, we've, uh, over the years we kind of, uh, slowly get away from what it is that the Lord has set it up for. When, when the Holy Spirit's not in the church, then you will not exist. So again, where, the, where His Word is being taught, and where worship is being done in, in, in full, and where prayer and love is amongst one another, then you will see, you will see the beginnings of the foundation of what the Lord set it up to be. So uh, let's let's take a look here at question number three. And the question was, prophecy and prophetic teaching is not heard as much as it was years back. Uh, what's the importance of it as a pastor and a Bible teacher, and, and should it be mentioned here more? Yes, absolutely. Uh, prophecy was pretty much uh, a quarter of the Bible was, was prophetic. Maybe a little more. And so uh, the outlook is, is if... if if there's a book that has prophecy in it, then prophecy must be taught. The Bible must be taught for what it's saying. We must not be just taking a book that's prophetic and making it into something completely different. Uh, and the reason why is because if we didn't have prophecy, how would we know that, that the truth was being told? Okay, here's the power of prophecy. Prophe prophecy that we have seen so far in the Bible, over 2,000 prophecies have been fulfilled. Over 300 prophecies have been fulfilled by Christ out of those prophecies, but over 2,000 have been fulfilled, and there's a handful still that are, are to come yet. So the aspects of prophecy is very important to us. Because again, God was, God was telling us something. Um, you know, we look at uh, certain books like uh, the book of Thessalonians. Which the Apostle Paul flat out told the Thessalonians, do not despise prophecy, because he gave a, a little bit of end time prophecy to that church. Uh, pro the prophecy and end time prophecy was not something that the Apostle Paul spoke of very often, but he, he spoke it to that church. Christ himself said to focus on prophecy. Matthew 24 gave, uh, he gave some prophecies of a little bit of what's to come on the, on the Mount of Olives. That in that particular chapter is referred to as the Olivet Discourse. So it's all over the Bible. And, and it is important. It is, it is vital. 
And, and, and so again, we must be, we should focus on it when it's being taught. So if prophecy is, is the, uh, is the factor, then yes, teach the prophecy. And, and, and do not ignore it because again, we need to be preparing ourselves. If we're not preparing ourselves for the Lord, then we're going to be in trouble. <laughs> so let's go ahead and uh, take a look here at question number four. And perhaps this question came from the uh, from the younger people. And it, actually, it's a very common question uh, that's been had throughout the years. And the question was: Is were there dinosaurs in the Bible, and why are they not mentioned if they were? Well. We have to remember that the Bible was written some thousands of years ago. And the term and the name dinosaur wasn't really brought up until the 1800s. We've never, the name was never even created until about the, the mid-1800s or so. And so the only thing in the, in the Bible that we can see that might relate to such a thing would be in the book of Job. Uh, the book of Job was one of the oldest, uh, probably the oldest book in the Bible. And, and the reason why that is is because we know that because of the um, the wording, the ancient wording that was used. Uh, a lot of times the, the age of the papyrus that was used on the paper, the ancient paper they used, uh, could be determined on the age. But also, see, Job back in these days, in these ancient days, he might have been <clears throat> right there around the time of the patriarchs, if not, you know, maybe before Abraham or right around that time, uh, maybe even during the time of Noah, because he was aware of a flood uh, during during that certain time, so he was right around that time frame. And and what had happened with Job was is that Job was being tested like no other. And and you see, Job was Job was questioning God on why these things were happening to him. And God spoke to him, and he says, "I want you to go outside and observe my creation. I want you to know who I am." And so, he told Job to go outside and he told him to observe this animal he called the behemoth. And as he described the, the structure of this animal, he said, look, look, at, look at the size of this thing. On, on, how, it's, on how its ribs, its ribs are like, a, you know, like, uh, like steel bars and its legs. And he, it said he, that it had the tail of a cedar tree. And what he was describing was, it sounds like a, a dinosaur of sorts, of one, one of the types of dinosaurs. And, and the scholars have said that the possibility would have been an, either an elephant or a hippopotamus. But where they were wrong was, is that, see, in the tail of a cedar, a hippopotamus and an elephant do not have tails like that. They're very small. And so he also mentioned about a beast named Leviathan, which was considered a, which was considered kind of like a, uh, an ocean, an ocean prehistoric ocean animal. Some people think that it's a very large whale, because uh, he spoke of how can how can uh, this thing be caught uh, from a fishing line on its size. So we're talking prehistoric. I'll read it to you real quick. It's in, it's in Job chapter 39, verse uh, 15. It says, Look now at the behemoth which I made along with you. He eats grass like an ox. See now his strength is in his hips, and his power is in his stomach muscles. 
He moves his tail like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are tightly knit. His bones are like beams of bronze. His ribs like bars of iron. He is the first of the ways of God. Only he who made him can bring near his sword. Surely the mountains yield food for him, and all the beasts of the field play there. He lies under the lotus trees in a covert of reeds and marsh. The lotus trees cover him with their shade. The willows by the brook surround him. Indeed, the river may rage, yet he is not dis disturbed. He is confident through the Jordan gushes into his mouth, though he takes it in his eyes, or one pierces his nose with a snare. So we have here that, again, from the description of it, that sounds like almost something what we would know as like a brontosaurus or something of that sort. And so that we have also, we have also, as I mentioned, the Leviathan mentioned in uh, chapter 41 of Job. It says, can you draw out Leviathan with a hook or snare his tongue with a line which you lower? Can you put a reed through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make many supplications to you? Will he speak softly to you? Will he make a covenant with you? Will you take him as a servant forever? Will you play with him as a bird? Or will you leash him on your on your uh, on your maidens? Will your companions make a banquet of him? Will they apportion him among the merchants? You know, see, we see that God was con uh, making this known to him. Um, he says here, I will not conceal his limbs, his mighty power, or uh, his graceful proportions. Who can remove his outer coat? Who can approach him with a double brittle? Who can open the doors of his face with his terrible teeth all around? His rows of scales are, are his pride. Shut up tightly with a seal, one is so near another that no air can come between them. They are joined one another, to one another, they stick together, he cannot be parted. So he's describing this thing again of, of what we could tell as these ancient prehistoric animals. We do have bones that were found. And so, uh, some interesting things that were also noticed uh, that I heard from a, a pastor one time that was speaking who actually knew a paleontologist. And this paleontologist was uh, was very honest with him. He says, do you want to hear the truth? He said, well, by all means, yes. He says, we don't really know the age of these animals. <laughs> he said that we basically, whenever we find something, we pretty much put a date on it and, we, and we'll add years to it to kind of make an excitement out of it. So, and then also, according uh, to what I heard as well from these, uh, from the research, that the fossilization of footprints with man's footprints and dinosaurs' footprints were right side by side with one another. These were fossilizations. But they were being destroyed, or trying to be destroyed by, uh, by certain scientists and, and, and archaeologists that did not believe that uh, that man and dinosaur were around at the same time. So they tried to destroy the evidence, but they were a little bit too late. And and so uh, the Bible to answer the question is not really a book on, on taxonomy, which is which is basically what Adam would have been in charge of when he was when he was created, Adam named all of the animals. Okay, so taxonomy is a form of naming animals and giving names to animals and so on and so forth. So the name dinosaur didn't exist till the eighteen hundreds, um, which is why we did not see that term in the Bible. So judging from what God was explaining here, we can see that the possibility of that being a form of a dinosaur was around. Again, Job was an ancient book. 
And, and we know it was ancient as well because Job was a wealthy man in his day, and this was before the time of money. Any form of money, even in the old biblical times, there was a form of money that was used. Currency. And, and they didn't have that during this time. His wealth was determined on um, basically his home, his, his cattle, the amount of servants has had, that the, the servants and, and all the stuff that they had, which was also what Abraham had, determined the wealth of a person. There was no money. And then on top of it, it said that Job was doing his own uh, sacrifices for atonement. And, and so, if Job was doing his own sacrifices for atonement, that was before the Levitical priesthood, during the time of Moses, during the time of Exodus, some thousands of years ago. So this was this was some time before long before that even. So if that answers the question, I hope that that was uh, somewhat clear. But again, the name dinosaur was not uh, given to us during this time, which is why we 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 don't see it in there. So it, it's interesting. I will say this that we will know the truth when we're in heaven. <laughs> so uh, I, I say make sure that you make it there if you want to know these answers for a hundred percent. We will know these things, but it, it looks pretty accurate and clear from the description. So we're going to move on to question five. And this one here, this one here is a very deep question. And the question is: Is does the sins of a father or a parent follow the children? Now, this was asked to me also in a Bible study that I lead, that I've been leading for some years. A lot of families have had a lot of suffering from the acts of parents. And we do know that, that we do develop traits from our, from our mothers and our fathers. It's funny how... <laughs> how one of the parents just loves to make known when when you do something they don't like they they have no qualms about letting you know that you're just like your mom or dad you get that from your mother you get that from your father so we know that that certain traits do not uh, or do stick with us from our parents we do develop certain traits sometimes we become a product of our atmosphere but i want to give you from the word of god from the mouth of god himself what he has to say about this in, in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 16, this was the very last book of the Torah. And this was right around the end of the life of Moses. It says that fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor shall children be put to death because of their fathers. Each one shall be put to death for his own sin. And so, when I was teaching in the, uh, the book of Ezekiel to, to the group that I've been teaching all those years, the question was also asked because, uh, because of the sins of a father, there was a, a concern that there was a family, a family curse of sorts because of those things. Well, we know that, that the actions of our parents as well as our own actions do affect the lives of those around us. And so we we have to be very careful to remember that because it's not just affecting ourselves, we're also affecting our families. So that that there is an is a blatant fact. But I also want to give you what God had told Ezekiel himself for the reassurance from Ezekiel chapter eighteen, verse nineteen to it says, Yet you say, Why should the son not bear the guilt of the father? 
Because the Son has done what is lawful and right and has kept all my statutes and observed them, he shall surely live. The soul who sins shall die. The Son shall not bear the guilt of the Father, nor the Father bear the guilt of the Son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. But if a wicked man turns from all his ways, or from all his sins which he has committed, and keeps all my statutes, and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of the transgressions which, which he has committed shall be remembered against him. Because of the righteousness which he has done, he shall live. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die? Says the Lord God. And not that he should turn from his ways and live? But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and does according to all the abominations that the wicked man does, shall he live? All the righteous which he has done shall not be remembered, but because of the unfaithfulness of which he is guilty. And the sin which he has committed, because of them he shall die. So from the words of God himself, he made known that that we are accountable for our own actions. And praise be to God that... That, you know, that, yes, the apples don't fall far from the tree, but, you know, I want to be the apple that's attached to the vine of the Lord. He said that I am the vine, you are the branches. <laughs> and, and the Lord says that every so often I'll have to prune some, some of the branches. So we want to make sure that we're abiding to the branch. And I want you to be reassured that through the Word of God, that, you, that because of whatever it was that you have been through, from the actions of a parent. Or maybe something that you might have done in the past can be forgiven. See, even this was hundreds of years before Christ. God had spoken of this, that, that, he, that all will be, will be forgiven if they turn back from their iniquities. And praise God for, for Christ, for sending His Son. Because he gave us the opportunity to receive eternal life through him. He took it all upon himself. That's what the Bible says. You know, I, I, one of my favorite verses in the Bible was the time when, when Jesus was on the cross. And the two other thieves were next to him. And they were taunting him in the beginning until one of them beside him realized that, that what he was doing was wrong. He, he, he realized, he was like, wait a minute. He was like, we deserve to be up here, but he doesn't. He's done nothing wrong. And he looked at the Lord and he says, Father, will you remember me when you enter into your kingdom? And Jesus looked at him and he said, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And that there just just has been such a a wonderful thing to remember. That he said right here, today you will be with me in paradise. Why? Because he recognized who he was. And he believed in him and he asked, will you remember me? And out of the words of Christ himself, he said that. Well, as we didn't do a Bible study, the opportunity I, I do feel is, is needed to be given if you're listening for the very first time. Again, the, the goal is to have a Bible teaching ministry 
And, and as you look on the media page, we have, um, right now we have Genesis being, being taught as well as special messages that have been done over the years. But I always, always want to give the opportunity to receive the Lord because, because tomorrow is never guaranteed. Sometimes the, sometimes the next few minutes is never guaranteed. And the question is, is, do you know for sure you're going to be in His presence? Well, I want to give you the opportunity to be able to say that I will be because of the faith that I have and because of the prayer I said in faith. He said that, the, that nobody can enter the kingdom unless they've been born again. Nobody gets through the Father but, but, but through me. So if you want to receive the Lord into your heart, and if you want, if you want to be able to see Him in heaven, and, and to be with Him for all eternity, and with loved ones and people that 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 will just love you like no other, <laughs> heaven heaven is no comparison to anything that we've had good on here on earth here. It, it's going to be so much better. So I want to be able to give you as much as possible while I'm still here. And so may you, if you feel led to receive the Lord, I want you to say a prayer. And I want you to say this prayer with, and mean it in your heart, because the Lord knows when we're being truthful and honest. So repeat after me, Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. I confess to you that I am a sinner. And Lord, I ask of you to wash me of all of my sins. And Lord, may you give me a new heart, Lord. Lord, I thank you for receiving me, Lord. And Lord, I receive you as my Lord and Savior and my Father. And I thank you for giving me a place in your kingdom, Lord. As Father, as I love you, I praise you, and I receive you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I pray and hope that uh, your that these questions were answered with as much clarity as possible. I could go on for hours, but again, time is time is of the essence. So I I do plan on doing these again. If there's questions to be had, uh, please post them on on the Facebook uh, social media page, and I'll be glad to answer any questions. But we will be doing this again in the near future. So again, may God bless you. And may he keep you, and may you continue in strength and in truth. God bless.